This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. All right, most importantly, how have your children been doing? Did we win the championship, playoffs, what happened? We won championship game part one. But uh, it's a double elimination tournament, so they got to beat the same team again on tomorrow. All right. Well, they're late. If you beat them once, you can beat them again. And my younger kid uh, got a, uh, a Little League home run. He hit a nice single uh, and then just kept running. May, hey, <laughs> may, as we say all the time here, put the ball in play. Make the, de- pressure on the defense. Make the defense make a play. <laughs> make them make a play on you. Just keep running. He turned, he turned third, and you can hear me. I got a video of it. He turned third, and you can hear me go, oh, no, 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 go back, go back. <laughs> and and he, he was too aggressive, but uh, they threw the ball away again. So. <laughs> and I, we see it on a nightly basis. Make the defense have to pick it up, catch it, throw it, catch it, throw it. That's why at this point in the A season, like if anybody gets thrown out and like someone calls the postgame show, I go, I don't care. Challenge every arm. I don't care mm. what the scouting report is. Make every single outfielder, make every single cutoff guy, and make every single guy retrieving the baseball have to make the play. Because a lot of times, they don't. The throw to the cutoff man can be a little off, right? You can one-hop the catcher at home or two-hop it. Whatever. Make them make a play. I mean, for God's sakes, you're 10 and 35. <laughs> be aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Don't get on the third base guy for the third base coach for, th- for sending him. I'd be like this. I make me the third base coach. I'm just a windmill the whole time. Let's get her going. Uh, we were just talking to to Moses from MLB Network and talking about you know right now the story isn't such the good teams because we've got a long way to go. The story really is the bad teams. The bad teams who are trying. The bad teams who are spending a ton of money who have these huge financial commitments. And there's that saying, like, you can buy players, but you can't buy culture. So right now where we are, whether you're talking about, we're just talking about the Mets, you talk about the Padres, you talk about the Cardinals, you talk about the Phillies. You know, where are you on some of these teams who have spent a huge amount of money? And you look at the records, you go, eh, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, uh, my instinct, and you know me, I've been on the show a lot, and, you know, I talk about player development, so my instinct is often to go, like, what's in the coffers? Or do you have good processes down in the minors to produce good players, you know? Um, and uh, I would say that uh, the Mets, uh, if I was going to rank the Mets, Phillies, and Cardinals on this, the Cardinals seem really good at turning out hitters. You know, they've got they just keep turning out hitters like position players. They can turn out they can turn out guys, Um, uh, but they're really suffering right now because they can't turn out pitchers. And the Mets are having a similar deal right now. They they keep calling up Brett Beatty. Looks good. He's hitting the ball hard. Looks like a real third baseman. Now they're calling up Mark Vientos. He had like three balls over 110 miles an hour in his first game. And so, like, you're like, oh, those those guys look good. Francisco Alvarez, good hitter. Uh, looks like the Mets can turn out hitters. Well, what they really need right now are pitchers. 
And, you know, they've got David Peterson and Tyler McGill and these guys haven't been what they needed. They needed someone to step up and like the, the Astros, when they were really good, they were like, Oh, we got this guy, Luis Garcia. We got this guy from Rivaldi's. We got this other guy, you know, it's like, just get yeah. going. Um, and, and so that's what the Mets are lacking. The Phillies, um, somewhere in between, they can make some hitters. Uh, they can make some pitchers. They just, um, I think that, you know, on some level it's their, their general manager trades away young guys. You know, that's just what he does. He does that. He's always done it. He's always done it. And so you can't really fault him. But at the same time, what it does happen is you get a top-heavy roster of older guys. And that's true of all three teams, isn't it? Top-heavy roster, older guys, if they're struggling or if they're hurt, what happens then? And that's why I always talk about player development. That's why I always talk about the kids. That's why I always talk about can you produce kids that can come up and play when you're hurt, your older guys are hurt. I I think the Padres are annoying, to be honest with you. And full disclosure, I grew up in San Diego, and I just look at this version of the Padres. I think they're an, I think they're players. I think their culture is super annoying. Um, obviously, you guys know how much we know Bob Melvin real well. I I, I think on the inside, it's a little more toxic than people think. Uh, I'm worried about that. that- I'm worried about what's going on down there. Like that was a uh, that's sort of what bubbled to the top when me and Ken Rosenthal and Dennis Lynn worked together on a piece. So they had the biggest collapse of like all time, you know, that that one year. Uh, I think it was 2021, and um, and you know, one of the things that bubbled to the top was it's it's not a good workplace culture, you know, and no. some of it comes some of it comes from the very top. AJ Preller is a, a, a um it's a bucket of crabs kind of leadership. That's what I, that's what one of the words we use where um, right, you hold just hold on. I'm yeah. always interested when you do stuff like this. I'm very interested. A bucket, okay, so of crabs. bucket of crabs. If you put crabs in a bucket, they will climb over each other and like one will get out. You know? Or they try and, and so, pull the one back in. Right. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> it, they're, they're really competitive. And so it's, it's, uh, it's this idea of like, if I, if I put my, if I put my leadership into a room and make them duke it out, then the best ideas will come to the top. That's the positive way of looking at it. But what it ends up creating is more of a culture of like less of collaboration and more of competition. And it's a little bit weird to compete with your coworkers. You know what I mean? Like that's, you want to compete with the other teams. You want to feel collaborative in your team. Yeah. You're a team. Yeah, exactly. So you inside a team, you really want to foster a sense of, you know, all the way up and down. You are being listened to. We value your what you're saying and we're putting it in the mix. And yes, best ideas will come to the top. But really, we've listened to you and like we value your what you're saying. And like your your idea may meld with another idea and get up there. But like we're listening to, you You know, that's what you want to feel. And I, I, when, when I talked to a lot of analysts and people who've left the team and people who are still with the team, I didn't get the sense that like they felt listened to unless AJ Preller called them at 3 AM on their personal phone, in which case it sort of blew up all sort of organizational uh, norms and sort of like, you know, what happens when the GM calls you directly, calls the the scout directly? What happens to the scouting director? What is he? He has to be like, what what do you guys talk about? You know, so uh, there's a lot of stuff under the hood there. And then also he has an element of Dombrowski to him, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, I I, I want to I'm glad you're what you're saying, because. Obviously, I'm very lucky. I know a lot of different things, and I think people just go, well, it's the crazy A's cast guys, right? 
But when someone like you goes, exactly. Like, I've been trying to tell people all the time, this is toxic. What is going on? The fact that I I, I didn't hear other people saying this, but I, I've been saying this in spring training because I found this out, that Peter Seidler's taking loans out on his personal businesses to back these contracts up. It's got a little Frank McCourt to it, which should scare the hell out of baseball. As you just said, AJ. Isn't Fra- that the family? Who's the family he's related to? Who's the Seidlers? Yeah, uh, he's not related to them. I'm just, I'm just saying it's, it's. But he's related to former Dodger owners. I, oh, that's right. Is he, um, the not Branch? Is he related to Ricky? But no. uh, yeah, something like we'll, we'll figure yeah. out. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, AJ Preller will call players. AJ mm-hmm. Pl- AJ Preller will undermine everybody in his organization, and so that's why, as much as we love Bomel, I just wonder if this thing keeps going bad. And He'll a- undermine Bomel. Bomel just got there. Exactly. And this basically AJ Preller before Bomel, now with Bomel, has never been blamed. He never gets blamed. It's always everybody else's fault, and I'll fix <laughs> it and change it. And he never. So that's why I'm worried for Bomel that I could be waking up one day with a notification because you can't blame all these players you've just spent eight hundred and sixty-three million on. You got to blame yeah, somebody for, for how many managers is AJ Preller fired? A lot, <laughs> yeah. right? He's not going to fire himself, and Seidler's not going to fire him. I mean, I just want people to know it's super toxic in San Diego when they've all been trying to 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 the you know it's like the super dysfunctional family. They all want to go to church and act like everything's great, but you know behind the scenes that it's super dysfunctional. That's what the Padres are. Yeah, and then there's an element of the the Dave Dombrowski thing to it, where uh, no, there's two players on that team that are uh, that are homegrown. I believe it's Stephen Wilson and uh, another reliever. I don't. I think that's it, or maybe Ryan Weathers. That's it. And he's like a up and down guy. So he's traded away all of their prospects to create this major league team. And what happens when you do that is you no longer have the prospects. <laughs> you know, like there's no, there's no like, oh, well, what, the, what do the Rays do? I, I, I know that like I don't want to say the Rays are perfect for. They're definitely not perfect for baseball, and they're not. Everything they do isn't great. And we know that they, they, they acquire injured arms, and they're just cool with just having everybody on the injured list. And and but the one thing that they can do is turn to the next guy in the minor leagues and be like, oh, we got another one. You know, <laughs> like, oh, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, we lost we lost Drew Rasmussen for two months. It's okay. We got Taj Bradley. Oh, don't worry. We got the oh, we got another one, you know? And that's what the good teams can do is be like, we got we got someone that can help us while this guy's out. And uh the unfortunately the the Phillies and the it, it, the flip side is you want your team to try to win. You want your team to make the trades and to sign the guys and to try and win. And that is true in Philadelphia and that is true in San Diego. But there is a fine line because you do want to have something in the coffer because older players get hurt more often and older players regress and older players are post peak. And you want to be able to be like, we got this hot young guy who's going to come up and just blow the doors off everybody. I have a, re- you know, I have a research staff here at Ace Cast Live, right? <laughs> Cody. Uh, it's uh, the the Peter Seidler is the grandson of Walter O'Malley, nephew of Peter O'Malley. There you go. The, O'Malley's. the O'Malley's. Yeah. Um Speaking of injuries, I, I know you've talked about starting pitchers and guys who are struggling. 
Uh, I was going to save this for later, but I'm going to bring it to you now. I was going to save it for a later segment. Um, back in 2021, I had to worry about it. I had to worry about pitchers and injuries and workloads. Why? Because of COVID. 2020. I had to worry about that in 2021. Then we get to 2022. Well, you know, we had the lockout. Now we got to worry about pitchers. People, people definitely got hurt because of the lockout. All right. All right. Well, now it's the pitch timer. <laughs> so three years in a row with all these dudes getting hurt, there's always an excuse. It's COVID. It's lockout. It's pitch timer. Well, okay. The real thing that's happening is the velo is going up in each one of those years. We're pushing guys to the max, and when you run your car to the max, it breaks down. That's what happens. That's that's the real underlying truth, yes. I had hoped that the pitch clock would lead, and it still could, but it will be in years two, three, or four, maybe, if it happens. I'd hoped that it would lead to people rejiggering their the way that they work, you know, the way that they train, and it'd be like, oh, like Max Scherzer said for our piece, you got to run. You know, pitchers used to run. And then we got, we sort of made fun of poles. Was it running poles, right? I hated running poles, but yeah, I ran <laughs> yeah. a ton of them. So, so we make fun of that in modern player development because you say, well, why is a pitcher running around when he nothing he does on the mound looks anything like that? Stamina. Why, what are you doing? Got to have stamina. So Max Scherzer said, hey, you got to run again, guys, because the pitch clock is more like running. It's more like long distance running. It's more about, you know, being able to pace yourself and stamina. So what I was hoping was that may and may still happen in year two, three or four that we that we get a little bit of reduction in velo because people are like, man, if I want to throw 90 pitches at this sort of rate, you know, with this sort of intensity and over and over again with no rest in between then i better uh you know train for like keeping my heart rate up that long and like you know what i mean like being being more of a like a like a marathon runner as opposed to a sprinter because we are we are all we're developing sprinters all they're all sprinters even the starters are sprinters spencer strider's out there throwing as hard as he can for five innings and that's like the modern pitcher uh, so I'm hoping that some of that happens second or third level, but right now it's not happening. And so what happens if you take sprinters and you put them in this pitch clock situation? I think it's making it worse, but I think you're also right in to say that this is a long-term thing that's been going on for a long time. And the real underlying cause of all these injuries is the velo. The close, the closer you throw to your maximum velocity, the more stress you put on the elbow. That is a fact. If I get in my car and I drive it as fast as I can every single day, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have a problem. What do you make? I know you've done a piece on, on five struggling starters. Uh, what do you Guys that have, as we like to say, check the back of the baseball card. Guys who have back of the baseball card struggling, what do you say to that? You know, not all of them are the same. Uh, I, I looked at Alec Manoa, and, um, you know, the the commenters pointed out more than I did, uh, but when they said it, I was like, oh, my God, it's super obvious. Alec Manoa's put on, like, 25 pounds. And, uh, and it's like, you know, when you look at the two pictures, you're like, whoa. And so, you know, people are like, well, CC and other guys did it. Hey, hey I'm going to tell you from a professional, from a professional, I've put on 25 pounds before. I didn't get better. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. I found, I found, I found nothing got better in my life. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, in the era of the pitch clock too, you're huffing and puffing, you know, you're trying, 
<laughs> trying to get all those extra 25 pounds around. So ah, you're trying uh, to get the jelly off of your fingers and the peanut butter. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But he, uh, he, his slider has really <laughs> lost a lot of sweep and uh, he's lost velo. And so if you just look under the hood, it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't say that he was going to, he's going to get back to where he was like maybe in the off season, he can train and, you know, lose that weight and, and get back what he lost. But in, in terms of getting that in the, in the middle of the season, you know, that's why people train so hard in the off season now is because the middle of the season is so hard to do anything. You know, uh, I've talked to players who'd be like, I have to put on like Brandon McCarthy. I think used to say I had to put on like 20 pounds of weight in the off season to lose it because I would just lose it during the season. You know, you can't, you can't do the same kind of weight training in the, in the, during the seasons you can in the off season. You know, just, you, you know what, you know what a huge thing is that, that, our like the people who are gonna who are watching this now and the people who watch it later with they donors because we live in the bay area right uh it was a little overcast and it was a little and it's, it's getting a little it's warmer hot. you go to other places in the country it's humid you get out there in those uniforms and you're Sweat. out there for three hours you're sweating your ass off you're losing weight it's hard to keep your strength and your yeah. weight yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think during season, something like that, where you've got a body difference and a lot of velo difference and, and movement difference, I think that's harder. Uh, and one interesting other guy that was on the list, Joe Musgrove is on the list and he, he had a little bit of movement change. Um, but then I realized he pitched in Mexico city and in fact, Mexico city, the altitude is so high. It's another 1500 feet above, uh, Coors. Yeah. The altitude is so high, it changes the movement on pitches, something we've talked about with Coors before. And so I think if you if adjust for that, there's actually been no difference to Joe Musgrove's pitches. There's no difference to his velo. There's no difference to his movement. And he's just the same guy he's ever been. So I'm much more like Joe Musgrove is going to be fine than I am, you know, Alec Manoa is going to be fine. All right, you're the uh, king of the sticky stuff, Domingo Herman. Here's another one. I mean, he just, wasn't that long ago they told him, go wash your hands. Get another glove, go wash your hands. And then there he's out there again, and they're like, they're putting their hands on his, and their hands are sticking to his. I mean, well, what the hell are we going to do? I mean, we can't ask umpires to be like CSI Miami and have CSI kits on these guys. I well, mean, that's what I've been talking about on my podcast. It's something, there's something there. There's something there that's better than what we're doing now. Could they have like a solution that they put on pitchers' hands? Bam! And, and if the solution turns blue, it's a good idea. Like it's they, a good idea. Like or, old Miami, like a, remember a Miami swab. Vice? Remember old a Miami Swab? They stick it in the thing. Yeah, Miami Vice. They'd like do the thing with cocaine, and if they didn't turn blue, it's cocaine. Yeah, remember exactly. That back in the day? Do a little swab off their hand, throw it in the thing, go like this. If it's the wrong color, so that's a one good idea. The problem is that is a test for a certain substance, right? So you could say turn blue if it's pine tar or or if it's spider tack or whatever right and not if it's rosin right so you can develop that fairly i bet you they could develop a test like that however what happens if you tell pitchers here are a list of substances you can't do yeah <laughs> they find oh. a substance that's not on the list right they're like well, well i can boil down coca-cola yeah, You're not yeah. tested for Coca-Cola. Just ask the World Doping Agency. They'll tell you <laughs> exactly, all about, yeah. well, you can't take all this, and all of a sudden they're, where did this come uh, from? These, yeah, here's the new stuff. Who's so you create a new arms race who's of, Pete, like. Who's Peter Conte, and who, what, what is Balco? How did this yeah. all start? Yeah. So you'd create a whole thing where, like, every week, baseball, I have to be like, okay, we put Coca-Cola on the ban list. Yeah. <laughs> Sparkling water. Can't use that I, anymore. Can you guys stop using sugar? Okay, sugar's on the ban list. 
<laughs> so like, uh, uh, so I don't know. I, I think that's a, that's a problem, but there are tests for level of adhesion. And so you just have to, you would have to define some level of adhesion. You say, this is what too sticky is. And then you'd uh, basically go out there with some sort of like, you'd stick something to their hands and then, you know, there would be some sort of stickiness test. There are these things out in the world. And now whether or not they adapt that well to baseball, that's the question. But if I was running baseball, I'd be looking at that. There are adhesive adhesion tests. I'd, I'd have two or three guys go out there and find all those adhesion tests and see if you can do any of those in, in one minute. Like, can you do any of those tests in one minute on the mound? Well, you know, get, well I, I've no, you know, I've noticed a lot this season, and I don't know why. Maybe it's always happened, but I've noticed a lot. Like, they're checking relievers when they come into the game. They're not yeah. waiting for you throw whatever it is. You throw to a couple of batters or whatever. Yeah. We're I've so that's part. So I they're varying it is before that, after you know yeah, what innings. You see him like, and, and you know when you see this because of the Coliseum, because our bullpens are on the field. So you see a guy walk off, and all of a sudden, umpires meeting him halfway and already checking him right out of the gate. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so they're trying to like make it like that, but that still at the end, it's a subjective test where a human being is touching another human being's hand and going, "Hmm, is that too sticky? Is that just sticky? Is that no sticky?" Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's still so subjective that. I, I don't like it. Subjective is we used to have selective, right? Selective punishment with sticky stuff was was um, who was the guy? Uh, the, the it was a Yankee too that had the uh, pine tar on his neck. Pineda, Michael Pineda. Pineda, and it was just so obvious that you had to do something about it. But then there's also been other times. There was other times. Brendan Donnelly had uh, had something that he was scuffing the ball with, and uh, he got called out on it because he was. Uh, a scab he had actually crossed he was a he was a, a replacement player and Ooh. and someone did not like him because of that and they they got their manager to go check him so you know the like in the past it was selective we've gone from selective to subjective i would and you know what i would sure that's say that's way better I was huh? I was eating a lollipop and it dropped and I picked it up and now my hands are sticky and now I'm kicked out of the game just, and that's why they're all saying oh it's just rosin and they're saying well even if it was rosin it's too much or whatever it's like okay well maybe the maybe the pictures are lying maybe it's more than rosin you know we don't know but if it is then it's just it's awful well I think we can sum it up in just one thing it's all just a bucket of crabs. <laughs> It's a bucket of crap. Just trying to get our attention, trying to crawl out the top. I, it's one of the best sayings. I, I, can I steal that? Yeah. You know what? I'll say I got it from you. I'll give you credit. Bucket of <laughs> It's just a bucket. Of, it's a bucket of crap. And you know how many times you could just say that and people would be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and they'll have no <laughs> idea what the hell you're talking about. Even if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think our for, when's our next A's meeting? We have, like, these big meetings. They'll go, uh, Chris, do you have anything to add? It's just a bucket of crabs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds pretty old timey, doesn't it? Right, like, and you're gonna be like, yeah, yeah, I think he's right. I, it is a bucket of crabs. <laughs> <laughs> Play the man as outro, would you? <laughs> the Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Go get that championship tomorrow. All right, go all house. All right, thanks, guys. Good luck, buddy.
Eno Saris, our baseball, national baseball columnist from The Athletics. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.